All right, hello, and welcome to uh, the Tickle the Twine uh, 2019 uh, NBA Mock Draft. We're going to be doing round one, uh, just like I did last year, and I've got a bunch of guys on to talk through uh, the first round. Everyone's got teams uh, assigned to them, and we're going to be making picks based on who we would take if we were in the gym, GM's role. This isn't going to be who we think they're going to take. It's who we think they should take, as in best fit, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, before we jump into the picks, I'm going to introduce each of my guests. I got three guys on with me today. First off, uh, CJ Holmes, staff writer at The Athletic. What's up, CJ? What's up, Brooks? How you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, then we have uh, my guy, Tom. Uh, he's oh, he's in Chicago, huge NBA fan, huge 76er fan. What's up, Tom? How's it going, Brooks? Thanks for having me on. Yep. And then finally, I uh, got my guy, Thornton, in Virginia. Ex-college athlete, he knows what the grind is about uh, to make it uh, to the next level. What's up, Thornton? What's up, Brooks? Thanks for having me, big dog. Yep. Uh, thanks, all you guys, for joining me. Um, I think we're going to have a good time. We had a good time doing this last year. And so we got 30 picks. We got uh, a, li- a little limited amount of time, so we're going to jump right in. Um, we got New Orleans at number one. Thornton, you're going to be picking for New Orleans at number one and at number four uh, after the Anthony Davis trade from yesterday so that's gonna change up their calculus on their picks but um i feel like number one's probably still gonna say this stay the same for them uh thornton who are you picking uh for new orleans at number one uh, well Bruce, you know i was thinking about it i was mixing it up a little bit here um but i think i'm just gonna have to go with the the uh lovely zion williamson because that's gonna be the best bet for the pelicans just to move with that young core Mm-hmm. I think he'll. I think he'll give them just that opportunity. I think Lonzo's. They're going to be a fun team to watch with him. As far as Lonzo getting out in the break with Zion, I feel a lot of alley oops are going to be thrown next year. Yeah, no, so, for uh, sure. Definitely excited for that, but that's where I'd have to go. Mm-hmm. No, you did. You did mention that you had your your reservations about Zion, and while for for most people he's the consensus number one pick, um, and far and away because of the athleticism and then also some of the skills he brings, what are those reservations that you had? Because um, they're important to note, even though he's going number one, he's not surefire, um, like no one is a surefire prospect. Um, personally, I didn't get caught up in the whole as one getting loving Zion's athletic abilities obviously is one of his tremendous upsides plus it's lovely it's you can't not want to watch a game with him jumping um but the thing with me is i noticed that there was a lot of situations if you watch the games where duke struggled um where it was him and it looked like a lot of a hero ball with him and rj barrett going back and forth and there was a lot of situations where i feel that he got to the point of his career at Duke where he was doing more than he honestly had to do as far as, you know, he's so used to out jumping so many people from high school and um, being physically stronger, bigger and faster than everyone. He was kind of taking over and senses like he'll get the ball in a double team, triple team situation after he uh, gets a crazy offensive board and he'll try to put it back up. Or, or, you know, do something crazy. Most of the time he ends up making them, so no one says anything. But in those situations, and there were big games, too, where he was making them. In the NBA, I'm really thinking it's going to be a little different. I mean, I'm going to give him his talent. I'm going to – but at the same time, I I see there's a lot of IQ um, decisions that I feel that, you know, if he didn't necessarily – 
uh, if he opened up his mind a little bit more in the basketball aspect of not so tunnel vision of driving and dunking, I feel like it, it's a different. I want to see him. I want to see him dissect the game a little bit more. I guess that's my biggest thing. Okay. No, that I think that's I think that's valid. I think it's a good point that um, will his game change and his effectiveness change when everyone or the majority of people can kind of match his athleticism or be closer athletically than most of the people he faced in college? Because while college is good competition, night in night out, uh, the difference between Zion and whoever's guarding him athletically is is, is leaps and bounds. Whereas in the NBA, that's going to be much closer, and there might be a night or two where he's actually at an athletic athleticism deficit. Um, so that's a good point. Uh, CJ and Tom, before we move on, any specific thoughts on Zion, whether good or bad? I know it hurt Thorne making that pick. I know that. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, Zion Williamson, I mean, in terms of athleticism, he is what you see. I mean, the guy can jump out of the gym. You know, we haven't seen something. We haven't seen a kid with athleticism in a very, very long time. Um, I think his decision-making skills and ball-handling skills are very underrated. And I think those are things that are only get better in time. Um, now, his weight isn't a big deal for me. You know, if he's going to be playing in the post, but, you know, if those ball-handling skills and his outside game seems to develop, he's going to be on the perimeter. I'd like to see him get a little bit lighter. But all in all... Sky's the limit for him, and you know if things work out, then you know Pelicans—they're extremely lucky. You lose Anthony Davis, bring in Don Wimps, and another once-in-generation type talent. So uh, yeah, I think he's the number one pick without a doubt. All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, just, just to echo what's been, been on there, I, I, I think it'll be interesting. Zion um, Williamson's playmaking ability and handle are already much further along, and you see with a lot of you know super athletic prospect that, that you're blown away with so I think um, I'm actually really interested to see you know assuming the Pelicans go in this direction in the actual draft um, the lineups that they'll, they'll play with uh, Ingram Lonzo and Zion um, I'd like to see you know some possible lineups so you know Ingram has a five Zion before um, really get weird with this yeah Oh no! You know I'm a big fan of getting of getting weird with lineups and I definitely think that's one that they'll uh, have to explore depending on how they fill out uh, the rest of their team but since Zion consensus number one, I think my biggest question is if he develops a jumper, what that looks like um, and how that I think that's going to be critical for his ceiling. Um, if we're talking about an all time great or up consistent all star consistent all NBA player versus um, just one of the better uh, starters in the league, I think the uh, the shot will determine that his ceiling and on, on that spectrum. But uh, moving on, uh, we have the Memphis Grizzlies picking at number two and Tom has this pick for them. Uh, we obviously saw them struggle a little bit this year. Uh, they traded Marcus Saw. He got his title. Mike Conley watched. Um, probably pretty uh, envious of that situation. Tom, who would you have the Grizzlies taking with the second pick to uh, kind of start their rebuild? Um, well, I, I think there, you know, there's obviously a, a consensus number two um, on the big board with, with John Morant. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily a slam dunk for the Grizzlies to go that direction. Uh, I do think they could go big man to pair with Jaron Jackson. Um, but, if, but if I am the Grizzlies, I, I'm sticking with that consensus number two. I'm taking John Morant and number two, with the number second overall pick. Um, you know, Mike Conley's only got two years left on his deal. Uh, while that might not be as palatable for a trade this year, it'll certainly be palatable for a trade the following season. So, you know, you'd at least get one year of, of John Morant, uh, you know, flirting under Mike Conley. Um, another guy, while he was a, a pretty good shooter in college, 
he was by no means a knockdown shooter, um, and he, he's definitely seen his jump shot improve in the NBA, and that's obviously John Morant's biggest area of growth that he'll need to do, aside from the, you know, the defensive side. Um, so, so I think, you know, I think the Grizzlies don't overthink this. I think they take John Morant at number two. Um, incredible playmaking ability. Um, you know, you, you already have your, your big man of the future, so now you find his running mate uh, to develop, you know, what's hopefully a, a lethal two-man game for many years to come. Yeah, um, I think uh, that's how I would go as well. I think uh, John Morant's athleticism, his, his passing ability are going to be fun to watch in the NBA, and I, I think he pairs well with Jaron Jackson. And I, I also agree with you that maybe they, they, they wait on trading Mike Conley so that uh, Ja can learn from uh, Mike Conley for kind of as long as possible so that he can acclimate to the league and fill in some of those weaknesses that we're going to see from him because um, he tends to be he, – he can be a little – a little too tricky, a little too erratic at times, can turn it over just kind of because he's trying to do too much, um, and he's going to have to learn how to shoot off the dribble a little bit better than where he's at now, as well as you know having having to lock down and play defense, and hopefully uh, Conley can show him how to kind of develop his body, add some muscle so he doesn't get pushed around as much. Um, CJ or Thornton, any uh, agree, disagree with this pick? I mean, he is the consensus number two, but given that they already have Mike Conley, I could definitely see an argument going somewhere else with this. Mike Conley is not getting any younger. He is very expensive at this point in his career, and bringing John Morant gives him the flexibility to probably move Conley either, you know, sometime this season or maybe in, during the 2020 2021 season. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, we no players, no college players' draft stock rose quicker and more fiercely than John Morant this past season. Guy has athleticism on par of um, Russell Westbrook. Um, while he isn't the outside shooter, I'd like him to be as a lead guard. Those things that can be developed with the right coaching at the NBA level. Um, Morant, by all accounts, is a great character. Uh, he plays hard, and he also takes pride in defensive ends, which is, you know, you don't see a lot of guys at the college level who really take pride at both ends, but John Moran's one of those guys, and I think he'd be a perfect fit in Grind City or running with Jaron Jackson in the game. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, I guess adding, I'm going to downplay the whole Mike Conley's the sacrificial lamb conversation that we're having here because I'm a big Mike Conley fan, but CJ is right. He is getting a lot older, and you kind of do have to look for the future. After I think we all saw the change what Memphis was going to do when they let go of Gasol, and I think really it's only a matter of time till they do the same with uh, Conley. Mm-hmm. With, that, with that, I honestly think Ja is. I'm honestly a, a huge Ja fan, uh, but I, I like his mentality only because I feel like all of the things that the reason why I have him so high on my board and it's slightly, you know, going with, see that with all you guys said, as far as how fierce he is and how he kind of came onto the scene this year, um, there's only, and I'll bring this out. There's only a few, uh, people or athletes that have that, uh, dog mentality in them that you just, you know, you just can't kick a person down and keep them down. And, um, I really feel like we kind of, if you, if you really watched, you know, most of his games throughout the year, but if you watched how he tried to show up for his team, knowing his team was going to be um, underdogs in every NCAA tournament game, um, I just like the mentality that he played with. Uh, his head was high. It, it was like, 
you know, David versus Goliath. He's looking up at Giants, and he doesn't care who's in front of him. It's kind of almost like a Russell Westbrook type of mentality as far as that's where I see his drive is at to the point where he's improved. If you look at his stats and statistics, his, as far as getting, I believe, the average to double-double this year, um, that, that's huge for his playmaking. So, I mean, seeing that, I, I, just, I just think he's an exciting player that he's only 19. So, I mean, you're, I think he's going to be like a, like you said, perfect fit for grind. But I think if him and Jaron Jackson might be able to take like Memphis to a whole nother, like, whole nother level of uh, intimidation. Yeah, for sure. I think um, definitely the, the idea of him as a dog and he's going to get in and he's going to compete every single night. Um, and he really wants to win and, and put it all out, leave it all on the court is definitely something that fits with the Memphis mentality and something to take them forward as a franchise. <clears throat> with that, uh, we can transition to uh, the team picking third, which will be the New York Knicks. Um, I'm going to jump in here and handle the Knicks pick. Um, after trading away Kristaps uh, Porzingis, the Knicks look um, ready to not only rebuild, but also to compete in the free agent market this summer, but there's kind of rumors about how successful will they uh, be able to be there. And so I think kind of with all that swirling, um, while there's other prospects that I might like a little bit better, I think the Knicks pick has to be R.J. Barrett. And and the reason why is with R.J., we're going to get, uh, the Knicks are going to get a kind of a, a score. He's got the physical tools to, to uh, succeed at the NBA level and score at a high level, um, both attacking the basket and pulling up um, as a shooter off the dribble, especially in the mid-range area. That's kind of his best area to pull up. He's really competitive. Um, he uh, works extremely hard. And I think that when you, a lot of the other players here, I would make the argument you're kind of picking a role. And so for the Knicks, um, you don't want to pick a role player under the assumption that you are going to get someone in free agency because if that doesn't materialize, then you're just kind of running it back with this team of youngsters that aren't exactly um, kind of franchise-leading players. Like Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson are great and have a lot of um, upside, but I'm not sure if they're franchise-leading players. And I think that's what you're getting with R.J. Barrett. He can be a guy. He can take the main scoring load. He can get you buckets consistently on a nightly basis. He can open up opportunities for everyone else. And he is an underrated passer, and I think if he develops that game, uh, that part of his game more and more, he'll he'll be able to help not only himself excel, but his teammates excel. Um what are your guys' thoughts on R.J. Barrett going third? Um, agree, disagree? Would you go somewhere else with that one? I agree. I mean, at number three, R.J. Barrett's the best player available in that slot. Um, I mean, we forget of all the Zion hype, but R.J. Barrett was the number one player in the country coming out of high school. Um, and although there were some games where he was kind of outshined by Zion. Um, R.J. Barrett dominated a lot of basketball games this year. and If he can get a more consistent three-point jump shot, he has the potential to be the best player in this year's draft class. Um, that's certainly the type of talent that New York desperately needs on its roster at this point in time. And I think that they're you know, finally starting to put together a string of consecutive good drafts by, you know, making smart picks and eventually hopefully they'll have him back in playoff contention sooner rather than later. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, I, I don't love RJ Barrett, uh, you know, as much as some people do. Um, but <laughs> both his scoring ability, I mean, both his scoring ability and his playmaking ability are, are undeniable. Um, Brooke, he said perfectly, the dude can just get buckets. Uh, 
that being said, I, I think he needs to continue to develop his three-point jump shot, um, you know, especially you know in this day and age in the NBA. Um, consistently getting into that, that, that mid-range, uh, while it's a, a nice tool to have, uh, if that's your only go-to, uh, you know, I think a lot of defenses are going to be able to scheme you out of this. Um, additionally, I don't know that there's necessarily motor or effort questions. Um, I think those are more so you can chalk up to the, the, the NCAA collegiate system and, and this dude that, like CJ said, was the number one prospect coming out of high school. Uh, and in a different era, definitely probably could have gone straight from high school uh, to the NBA. Um, so I think a lot of the lackadaisicalness you saw at Duke was, was a product of uh, him just trying to get through this year um, and, and make it to the NBA. Um, all that being said, he clearly has the, the talent uh, to be the best player in this draft um, and definitely is the right pick for the Knicks at three because he, if the Knicks were to try and take a role player like DeAndre Hunter or Jerry Colbert here, uh, I think the New York fan base would, would blow a gasket on him. Yeah, you probably yeah. can be wrong about yeah, uh, I I'd have to agree with the same as far as all you guys. I mean, I I don't really I I have to see the Duke Big Three split up and to see how they're going to act apart. Um, I want to see their games physically develop. But piggybacking off you, Brooks, um, RJ definitely can. You can put him anywhere, and he's going to try to score on you, and you got to try to stop him. So I mean, that's one thing kind of the Knicks have needed, but uh, as well as with cohesiveness on their roster. But I, I just I think they've always been trying to put together a, a group of players that have this same type of skill level. It's just about messing them together. So until it gets on the court and kind of has a feel, I really think it's going to be. You just have to wait and see with them. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I think um, I think he puts them in them in the best position at this pick um, going forward, and then he can also be complimentary if they do succeed in free agency or be that guy who just kind of leads the bench unit in scoring, kind of depending on how the roster rounds out. But, uh, uh, so yeah, that's what we think the Knicks will do. Uh, moving on, New Orleans is going to be picking again at four. After the Anthony Davis trade, they sent him to L.A. for a variety of assets, both players and picks. So, Thornton, you're up again. Uh, gave you both of the New Orleans ones. You can uh, form a cohesive strategy uh, if New Orleans keeps this pick, because there's significant trade discussions um, going on, apparently a couple teams want to move up. New Orleans thinking about moving back, but with the mindset that New Orleans keeps this pick, where would you go with their second uh, top five pick as another complimentary piece to add to their young core? Um, I struggle with this one heavily. I'm, as we all spoke before, I'm not a big fan of Jared Cul- Culver, just the way he showed up in the big moments, but. I think he does have great potential. Um, if I honestly, I would be torn at this spot because I I feel like DeAndre Hunter could be a great asset for them. Um, but I feel like Hunter and Culver. I mean, they're opposite ends of the spectrum. One's a raw defender; the other's kind of a raw get to the basket, high IQ guy. So I mean, in this situation, I feel like they need to put more high IQ people on the court as much as possible in New Orleans. So I'd, I'd have to just go with Culver and hope that he can form some type of uh, just like I said, any t- anything that goes on with New Orleans, you're just hoping it, it works out with as far as Lonzo and uh, Ingram and all that. I feel like Culver can kind of learn from maybe learn from Ingram because they have a similar body type as well with long arms. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's much being said about how this is a, a three-person draft, and after that it can get a little hairy 
Um, a lot of guys are higher on Culver. Uh, like you mentioned, you're a little bit lower on Culver. I'm a little bit higher in that I think he can fit in the right situation. So I would agree with you uh, with New Orleans taking him here um, just because what I see when I look at Culver is I see a guy who can who can operate as a secondary playmaker. He's not gonna he's not gonna be the the first option creator, but he can create off of a you know off of a closeout or in an advantage situation and get a shot for him or his teammates. Um, I think he does have some shooting upside so that he can that he he'll be able to shoot well. But then also, like you said, he's high IQ. He's going to do the little things. He's going to fill some gaps in, and so I think he can just be slotted right in there to some of the uh, the more fun New Orleans lineups we'll see. Relieve pressure from whoever the main ball hander it ball handler is, whether it be Lonzo or Drew Holiday, you know, find Zion on cuts and passes, run the run the uh, lanes himself, maybe get some passes from Zion and kind of have a symbiotic relationship in that way. Um, what do you got? What are your thoughts, CJ and Tom? You guys like this pick, disagree strongly? What you think? You know, Culliver, <laughs> Culliver did not show up in that national title game. Uh, against UVA, but I'm not going to hold it against them. Um, you like his length, you like his skill set, you like his ceiling and what he can become. Um, there were a lot of games this year. Texas Tech would have not been in this position this season without the services of Mr. Culliver. And right now, I do think he's far from a finished product, but at the same time, this makes sense. I think he's a lot more polished. Than a lot of the wings in this year's um, this year's draft class. Um, right now, the Pelicans are in a let's call it a rebuild. I mean, you're losing Anthony Davis, one of the best players in the league. When, when that happens, you're, you're in rebuilding mode, and right, he could be a young piece who can come in and contribute as a rookie, and in time might be able to develop into that second All Star um, alongside Zion Williamson. If he meets his potential, then all of a sudden you get you're getting two all-star players in the top in the lottery, you know, and that's, that, that'd be big time for the Pelicans. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, he can do kind of a lot of things for you, um, in that way and kind of fill whatever role needs to be filled as they do their rebuild. And then also he could be used as an asset because I know there are some teams out there that are further back in the draft that, um, kind of rate Culver highly and don't think they're going to be able to get him. And so that might be a way from new Orleans to flip, um, him as a number four pick for something more advantageous um, or something that they want more in their in their lineup. Um, moving on to Cleveland at five, um, I think uh, I'm, I've got Cleveland myself, and so Cleveland, you know, they're in the middle of a rebuild as well. They are kind of, you know, outside of their pick last year where they got Colin Sexton. I look at their roster and don't see a ton of guys that you're going to want to lock in long term. So they kind of, I think they kind of have to go best player available here with a, a, a thought that you're probably not going to draft one of the point guards, um, and, and that's kind of a small caveat that they would have to have here. And so for me, I would have uh, the uh, Cavaliers taking DeAndre Hunter here at five. Um, like Thornton had mentioned earlier when announcing the Culver pick, he thought about DeAndre Hunter there for them because of what he brings. Uh, we saw Hunter kind of excel in the national championship and shut down Culver, make things hard for him. Um, that's what uh, DeAndre Hunter is first. He's a, he's a 3 and D uh, defender. He's probably going to be able to guard multiple positions in the NBA. Um, I like the upside of his shooting. He shot pretty well um, in college, um, but it was on sm- a, a limited amount of t- attempts, not high usage. So we got to make sure that that, 
that has scalability and that when he gets more to, more attempts, he'll be able to continue that. But, you know, uh, you can't really go wrong getting a guy that you know is going to fill a role. He's going to play good defense. He's going to hit open shots. And then kind of anything anything you get from there is more of a bonus. And while, you know, you think, oh, we're picking five, maybe we want a bona fide all-star or something like that, there's a high-risk-reward profile with that. And I think with Cleveland and with where they're at, they, they can kind of be happy with what they're going to get out of Hunter and that he's going to be able to contribute immediately and help their team win, and then also be able to function in kind of a flexible role so that they can play around with lineups. Um, uh, Tom, uh, you didn't ch chime in with the last one, so I'll go to you here. Do you like Hunter here? Uh, would you go a different way if you were Cleveland? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I, I love DeAndre Hunter. I think he's uh, just the, the perfect modern you know, 3-and-D wing. Um, that being said, uh, I think Cleveland should go a different route with this pick. Uh, the roster is so barren in Cleveland, and the outlook is, is, is pretty bleak right now. That that just taking a guy um, that you want to pencil in for you know twelve to fourteen points a game, a couple assists, and solid defense um, is not really what you can do here at the fifth pick. Okay. Um, I, I think you need to try and take a home run um, at, at this point. Uh, and, and to do that, I I I I'd probably go with someone like Darius Garland, okay. you know, uh, the guy who uh, you know has a chance to to just you know, hit absolute bombs from deep down. I know they already have Sexton, but, uh, you know, with, with the shooting ability of Darius Garland, uh, you know, I'd imagine that they could try to emulate, uh, emulate what's going on in Portland with the, the two-guard lineup there with um, Damon C.J. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's that's very fair. That's definitely, uh, Garland was someone I, I seriously considered with this pick. I think I'm I'm more worried about his fit next to Sexton, and, and that might be me. Uh, that's probably an, That might probably be an error on me because we've seen the two-guard lineups work well other places. Um, but I kind of like Hunter a little bit better just because of his versatility. Um, but I, I, I understand that, and I hear that, and I'm, I'm glad we got some pushback and we're not all in consensus on all the picks. Uh, CJ, <laughs> CJ or Thornton, any chime in here? Or are you guys ready to, to move on to Phoenix? I know CJ's picking for Phoenix, and he covers them, so probably rearing to go. Um, yeah. quick, uh, let's, a quick re let's do a little quick recap of uh, okay. picks this. So yeah, so before we move on to Phoenix, uh, we're through five picks. Uh, number one, we had New Orleans taking Zion Williamson. Uh, number two, Memphis taking John Morant. Uh, number three, New York taking R.J. Barrett. Uh, number four, New Orleans taking Jarrett Culver. And then number five, uh, we had uh, Cleveland taking DeAndre Hunter. Um, for, the, for the most part, I've, ours kind of matches up uh, very chalky with uh, what I've seen across the spectrum covering the NBA. With so, there's, there's very little... Uh, the, the differences only come in four and five, but I have seen most people after the trade uh, kind of seed with a lineup that we've come up with so far. So what that means for you at uh, six, Phoenix, uh, CJ and Phoenix, is uh, now all the point guards are, are, are landing on at, at the table if you want to go with a rookie point guard. Um, I know there's been a much debate among the Phoenix faithful whether they go rookie point guard or they go a, a, a wing player and then try to trade for a veteran point guard. What are your feelings on that? What would you do? Uh, you're definitely in the weeds there, so you probably know a little bit more. As long as Josh Jackson and TJ Warren are still on this uh, basketball team, I don't think the Suns have any room for any more wings on this roster. Um, this team needs a point guard. They've needed a point guard since... Eric Bledsoe did not want to be here anymore. Uh, with that being said, the biggest question is, 
you know, should they go with a young rookie point guard and, you know, mold him and develop him within the organization or bring in a veteran point guard from outside. Um, Kyrie Irving is not going to be an option for the Suns. Uh, Kimball Walker, maybe, but I really can't see him leaving Charlotte at this point. He seems to be very committed to what that franchise is building down there. So, with that being said, yeah, I go for rookie point guard. With John Morant off the board with the number six pick, I'm taking Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt. I think it's a absolute no-brainer for the Suns, even though um, I read somewhere recently that they haven't really done a lot of homework on Darius Garland, which might indicate that they are, in fact, leaning towards bringing in a veteran point guard or looking to trade this pick. But if they stay pat... If they make the selection, I think it's got to be Garland. Um, if This is the kid that, if he was healthy, he only played five games for Vanderbilt last year, ended up tearing his meniscus. But in those five games, as a true freshman, he led the Commodores in scoring of 16 points per game. Um, the guy is a incredible shooter of deep range, and he can light it up, especially off the dribble. He is an underrated finisher around the basket, and he's extremely crafty and creative off the dribble. And although he is a lead guard in terms of he's looking to score the basketball first, um, he is a willing passer. So at the NBA level, he's going to have to prove that he can be a distributor and operate within the nuances of an NBA offense. But, you know, as was mentioned before, when you're thinking of Garland, think of it as what Portland, what Portland's doing with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Uh, I think Garland alongside Booker, I mean, that's tough. That's a lot of scoring. You're putting a lot of pressure on, on a defense from the perimeter. And I think that those two together can do beautiful things. So at number six, I'm going Darius Garland. Okay, yeah. I think, um, I think this will probably be the natural pick for Phoenix um, here if he falls in their lap um, like it has in our draft so far. I would say, um, are there any worries uh, with you? Devin Booker, um, as accomplished as he is as a scorer, is not a accomplished defender in this league yet. Darius Garland, that's also likely going to be a weakness of his game given his slight frame and the fact that he's not a like elite, elite athlete. He obviously brings some athleticism, but not on that next level. And so he, sh- he should likely struggle defending as well. Given that, are there any worries um, from your end of the uh, kind of defensive uh, backlash where, yeah, this, this, this front court will pour in points, but they'll also leak points like a sieve on the other end? I mean, like, this is the NBA we're talking about. I mean, honestly, there are only maybe – two or three guards in the entire league who are considered elite defenders, you know? I mean, I would disagree with that, but okay. Hey, hey, I'm just saying, all of these point guards can light it up. I mean, so I'm not not trying to make excuses for them. I mean, it's a problem, but, you know, a lot of defense is about positioning and anticipation and timing, and those things can be coached, you know? Um, Brooks, you know that better than anybody. So while the defense is a concern i don't think it should be the end-all be-all when evaluating garland i think what he brings to the table offensively outweighs his defensive um, deficiencies by far i mean he's gonna be in the nba he's gonna be with professional strength coaches he's gonna get bigger he's going to get stronger um 
And with that, his defense will improve. So Garland, just give him time. I believe his offense will be effective sooner rather than later. But his defense, his his defense won't be too far behind, in my opinion. Just he's just let him get into the building, um, get some coaches working with him very closely on these efficiencies, and in time they could prove to be strengths. All right, fair enough. Uh, and don't forget the icy hot for his knees. <laughs> yeah, do not. Uh, so yeah, Tom or Thorne, any um, thoughts on Garland? Uh, Tom, you said you would have taken him if you had if you were the Cavs. So you think the Suns um, get a good match here for Booker? Yeah, I, I, I mean, TJ put the nail on the head. I, if the Suns do end up keeping this pick and, and Garland falls for them at, at six, um, I'm excited to see the fireworks that that will be coming out of the Phoenix backcourt because you're talking about two guys that uh, would just really know how to pull up, pull up the score sheet, so uh, I would love this pick for Phoenix. Um, that being said, it would not shock me if they somehow took another wing six, uh, just to, you know, really, really, really extremely zag while, while everyone else is zigging. Yeah. All right. So next up, uh, we have Chicago, another team that... When you look at their roster, they seem to have uh, four of their five positions kind of committed to guys that all of probably will be expecting to start this season with uh, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Lowry Markinen, and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, there has been some discussions. Chicago maybe trading up. We'll see what happens. Maybe dealing one of their uh, set-in starters to move up. But as of right now, uh, they sit at seven uh, with the only hole, if you would call it that, at the point guard position. So they're one of the teams that's been mentioned as ta- as thinking about taking a point guard. Tom, if you uh, you're drafting here for Chicago, you live in Chicago. Um, who would you who would you take here for the Bulls? Uh, and, uh, and and why? And, and who who you slotting in? Yeah, yeah. At this point, um, the Bulls are Bulls are going point guard at seven. Um, I, I think that's pretty much a, a done deal. I mean, at this point in this mock draft, with, with John Moran off the board now, and with Gary Scarlett off the board, I think they go with the Speed Demon, uh, Kobe White, um, who I actually think, right off the bat, uh, might fit in the most seamless into the NBA, because he is a pass-first point guard. Um, he's got the pace to get up and down in an NBA system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my only worry um, is if, you know, with, with, with Jim Boylan as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, uh, how lenient he would be to allow a young point guard to get out there, uh, get up and down the floor, and make mistakes. Um, he does not seem like the type of gentleman who would be accommodating to a to a rookie NBA point guard. Um, but I, I think the Bulls need to go with the point guard here at number seven. Uh, and, and I really like Kobe White's game um, and the way it translates to the NBA. Yeah, um, he definitely is going to bring that speed, and I think um, he's got guys in Zach Levine and Otto Porter that are going to want to run with him. Um, in transition as much as possible as well. He can create um, create jump shots for himself relatively easily, and we've seen him hit those at a good clip, um, which is definitely uh, good, especially with with um, to increase that spacing and make sure that he's always creating. And as he kind of learns the game, I expect him, I like his game as well, to be able to uh, pass better and better and kind of use that space he creates to not only get his step-back jumper, which he's shown um, to be lethal with, but also to get uh, open shots for his guys as well. Um, CJ or Thornton, either of you guys uh, would go a different way here, or you guys uh, both in solidarity here think uh, the Bulls have to go point guard? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Bulls need a point guard. You can't win this league without an effective starting point guard, and 
you know, before the Anthony Davis trade, a lot of my drafts that I saw online were projecting Darius Garland to go four uh, to the Lakers. Um, but with that no longer the case, I mean, with that, if that was the case, if that would have been the case, then I would have taken White at six to the Suns. I mean, he's the best passer in this year's draft class by far. It's not even close, in my opinion. I mean, John Morant's good, but Kobe White was doing it in the ACC. It's just a little bit different of a little bit different of a competition a level there. Um, the guys a speed demon. Demon. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him up there with guys like John Wall or Russell Westbrook, especially from a physical standpoint. But um, the guy's fast and get in the lane. And like you said, the Bulls have a lot of players that like the gallon transition to finish around the rim. They're just missing a guy who can get them the ball. And I think Kobe White is said guy. Yeah, uh, definitely. Thornton, any thoughts on Kobe? Um, I mean, I think he's a pretty good athlete. I don't. I don't really have any bad takeaways. Like I think when Tom said he's probably the most seamless transition, that's a good choice for him because he's he's going to be able to dissect the game easily. He's going to be able to pass, make sure he's getting all of his other teammates involved. And that's kind of, I think the Bulls are a team that's really looking for that type of chemistry, you know, because they're still trying to figure out how to make sure, how to use Zach Levine and, this fast, and how to make him go with Laurie Markin and, you know, how can they work together because they're both high, high volume scorers, yeah. in my opinion. So, I mean, I really feel like Colby could be like a kind of a good segue to helping them kind of facilitate a little bit more and maybe mm-hmm. hyping, uh, the Bulls up again. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I like Kobe's game uh, as well, and I think he's going to slot right in with them, assuming they don't um, move up or, or deal um, anybody and are still looking for a point guard at seven. Um, next up at eight, uh, we have Atlanta, the Hawks. Um, they have two picks in the top ten, eight and ten, and there's heavily rumored that they're trying to move up um, to secure a couple players um, that they have rated higher on their board and that they're trying to get rid of one of these picks. Um, but I think... Their goal is to be able to take who I'm going to pick for them at 8, which is Cam Reddish. Um, and so I think that he's going to fall to them at 8, and there'll be no need for them to move up. But we, but maybe there is someone else they're targeting. Um, but for me at 8, I think with Atlanta's first of the two picks, they're going to, they're going to go Cam Reddish. I think, he's, I think he fits exactly how they're trying to rebuild. He's a, he's a big, big, strong wing. He's long. Um, and while he didn't shoot well at Duke, um, there is a good underlying base of shooting that su- that suggests that he'll be able to shoot um, in the league and transfer that. And then as he as his jump shot um, matures, he'll be able to create in other ways around that. And I think when you pair you know his size with that of Kevin Herter um, in the back in the on the on the wings. Uh, with Trey Young, you can kind of neutralize a lot of Trey Young's deficiencies because of his small stature, because you've got two big, long defenders who can also hit shots for him. Um, so I think I think Reddish will definitely be the move here for the Hawks. I'm I'm generally lower on Reddish, but I think if put in the right system, he can develop, and I definitely think that the Hawks have the development culture embedded to kind of get him where he needs to go moving forward. Um do you, any of you guys uh, have thoughts on the Hawks and Reddish here? Um, I think this is a pretty natural fit, but I'm willing to uh, to hear out other side. Torian Prince paid for this. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Torian Prince paid for this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I 
like uh, I like Cam Reddish at eight. Um, I think you know a lot of the, the knocks that uh, were against him coming to this draft were a byproduct of just the, the gluttonous amount of talent that Duke team had last year. Um, I think it's pretty telling that that the Hawks have been linked to him pretty heavily at pretty heavily at eight. Um, you know the way their front office has handled the past couple of years, I think they deserve uh, <clears throat> you know the benefit of the doubt. Um, so you know. It, it, their player personnel department likes them. I'm, I'm definitely willing to trust that. Yeah. Um, the, the Hawks will pick again at 10, but before that, we've got the Washington Wizards picking here at 9. CJ, you hail from the D.C. area. You're a Wizards fan. Um, they're in a tough situation with the John Wall contract and injury combo. Not sure if they're going to keep Bradley Beal long-term or look to deal him. Either way, uh, they're kind of putting us... Uh, position here at nine where it's kind of an open slate um i think this is definitely a take best player available situation given their roster and probably what they're looking at not only in the short term but also long-term future because of the ramifications of the wall contract um where would you go here at nine for the wizards um what are your thoughts about their general uh situation here well um i don't think it's an exaggeration to say that things are an absolute shit show in the nation's capital currently <laughs> um, with that being said, I mean, the Wizards just, you know, John Wall under contract still, they just don't have a lot of flexibility to improve the team, which is why, you know, nailing these draft picks is very important. Um, with that said, with Wall out, they lose an element of scoring, they lose an element of playmaking ability. Um, while I think that I hope Thomas Sanaransky resigns with the Wizards this year. Um, he did, he does an admirable he did an admirable job with John Wall out. With that being said, I think the Wizards should go Nasir Little out of North Carolina with a number nine pick. I mean, he's physical, six six, two hundred and forty four pounds, seven foot one wingspan. Um, he's an amazing athlete, runs hard in transition, works hard for rebounds, finishes at the rim, <laughs> and he has great potential defensively um, with that size. Um, he didn't hit a high percentage of three-point shots this season, but he does have good mechanics, which I think that, you know, with some refining, it will be able to transition well to the NBA. Um, he was one of the top high school recruits in the country at UNC. Um, he looked much, much more confident than he did coming out of high school. Um he never really found his niche offensively, but I think with the Wizards, they'll be able to carve out a much more defined role. That's um, your little at number nine in Washington. All right, that's our first uh, significant uh, deviation from most of the mocks out there. Um, but I like the idea, and Nasir Little's a guy who's going to be able to score. He definitely has two-way potential. Um, and can slot next to next to Beal and kind of hopefully help with the scoring while also being able to play good defense and kind of maybe creating for others in um, in a pinch if he has to. Um, that's not how that's not the way I would go, but I definitely I, I see the pros and cons for it. Uh, certainly, uh, Tom or Thornton, do you guys have either of you guys have significant thoughts here with Nasir going this high, rising up into the top ten? I'll let you go. Uh, I mean, Brooks, I have a first surprise of the draft so far, uh, but I, I, I do love the, the, the raw athleticism um, and the, the potential that Nasir Little brings to the table. Um, 
I think, you know, taking him at nine, if he were to, you know, fit into that Andre Iguodala uh, mold, I think the Wizards would be ecstatic. Um, the, CJ said it, though. The Wizards are in a tough spot uh, with the John Wall contract. Um, obviously locked in there. You've got a great player in Bradley Beal. Um, so there's, I mean, there's some, some needs there on the wing, obviously, with the departure of Otto Porter um, via trade last year. So, I, you know. It, well, it's a surprising thing. It definitely fills a need for him. Yeah, certainly. Um, and I think he definitely has some upside. I was, I was hoping, I was, I'm hoping he falls to Miami personally, but not, not here, not on our draft. So we will have to see uh, what that changes towards the uh, in the early teens. Um, Slide right into Atlanta's second pick at ten. This is the pick that they received from Dallas as part of the swap uh, last year, where they went back. Um, so that they could take Trey Young, and Dallas came forward to take Luka Doncic. Um, for me, at Atlanta here with uh, CJ taking Nasir Little, I think Atlanta has a good choice between Jackson Hayes and Siku Duemboye, uh, the Frenchman. Um, personally, I think that uh, I think Jackson Hayes might be a better fit, but I think if Atlanta's given the opportunity um, to take Siku based on what we've seen their front office do, I think they would go Siku Duemboye here. Um, he's obviously very raw. He's playing in the French league. Um, he's he's pretty unpolished, but he recently has had some good games as they are transitioning into the playoffs. He brings a ton of versatility. I think playing front court lineups with him and um, John Collins is certainly possible because of the athleticism of both of them um, combined with the wingspan and the length. And um, it would be certainly interesting. He's shown a little bit of a, an ability to shoot uh, from three, and he'll have to continue to. Uh, develop that and move that forward and then this will put him in a position to develop in Atlanta and play alongside guys who know how to play have high IQs can play make for him and put him in good positions so that he can come along slowly and kind of develop those skills Um, I've seen comparisons that he's kind of like a he's kind of a poor man's Pascal Siakam and that's definitely certainly a good mold for Siku to kind of develop into and would be a great fit positionally for Atlanta and just kind of add to this kind of versatility this positionless basketball where everyone can kind of hit outside shots and make plays that they are driving forward so I think um, if given this choice between Jackson Hayes and Siku um, I think Atlanta should go Siku um, obviously Siku is one of the guys with lesser information about him, but, um, do any of you guys have, uh, qualms with this pick would definitely go a different way. Uh, don't believe the hype about Siku. Obviously he's a, he's a, a foreign prospect with less information about him. And we've seen that go both ways in the last couple of years. I don't trust foreign prospects. I'm just going well, yeah, I, uh, I mean, with the, given the Wizards' history with Jan Vesely, that's a uh, perfectly reasonable position to have. Um, but I think we have seen some successes of late. Obviously, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, Pascal Siakam are all having significant impacts, and they were like, I mean, Pascal did play college here. Joel did play a year of college here, but Giannis is the perfect archetype where all you had coming into the draft were like grainy videos of him playing in the Greek G League, you know, the the worst league in Greece, and he's come out and he's most likely going to win MVP in a couple weeks when they announce it, so it can go either way. Um, you can either have yourself a Jan Vesely or a Giannis, but it seems like um, we're getting better and better international prospects, so I think he could be a uh, make a difference, and especially on an Atlanta team where he doesn't have pressure to perform immediately, I think that's, gonna be, that's the key. If he can come along slowly... Uh, the foreign players seem to 
improve consistently and play better. And we've only had we've only had a couple ex exceptions where there's a ton of uh, pressure put on them immediately, and we've had a couple succeed, like Luka Doncic and Porzingis, and we've had a couple fail. Um, so it's it's kind of a 50-50 proposition, but a lot of the draft is that anyway, so might as well take a bigger swing if you're going to have two picks in the top 10 and a third pick later on. That's my thought. Um, if, if none of you guys have additional thoughts about Siku and Atlanta's second pick, uh, I'll recap the, top, uh, the last five picks. Um, we had, after the top five, with Zion, John Morant, RJ, Jarrett Culver, and DeAndre Hunter. We then have Phoenix at six taking Darius Garland, uh, Chicago at seven taking Kobe White, Atlanta at eight taking Cam Reddish, Washington at nine taking Nasir Little, and Atlanta at ten taking Siku Dumboye. And here we go with Minnesota at eleven after the debacle of the Jimmy Butler situation last season. The uh, organization can is uh, has. Moved on from Tom Thibodeau is uh, and is working to rebuild their front office with a lot of veteran guys who have gotten high praise by their current their former employers, and they look to be revamping their team probably to focus around Carl uh, Anthony Towns. CJ, you're going to be making the pick for Minnesota here. Um, which way do you think Minnesota goes? Who do they pair uh, with uh, Towns and Wiggins to kind of move themselves forward and, and improve and hopefully? you know, have a better showing next, this this upcoming season than they did last year? I think I'm going to go Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga. You know? Okay. Seahawks on another team that are just, like, really tough to read right now. And, um, you know, they have a lot of moving pieces in their front office. And... They're a team that's kind of on the cusp of being very competitive. They have a lot of talent. Wolves have a lot of talent, but they still need the. It all still needs to gel together, and that's exactly what Brandon Clark did for Gonzaga. He was the glue guy, and uh, Clark has good measurements. Um, he has good skills in the post. Um, he has a good per. Um, he has good mobility. It'd be a strong fit, you know, alongside Carl Anthony Towns, who's also a good passing big. So, you know, there's some high-low potential there. And, um, yeah, I mean, Towns' ability to stretch the floor at the center position would give Clark space um, in terms of being a rim runner and an ability to operate in the, in the mid-post. Um, so it's a pretty good fit. Um, you know, the Wolves could go and a multitude of different directions here, but I think Brandon Clark uh, would be the ideal fit at number 11. Yeah, I, um, I I agree with you there. I'm hoping that Clark uh, slots in here for Minnesota. I have him rated uh, pretty high on my uh, big board. I think I have him five or six. Um, I really like his athleticism, but I do think that he's going to be a fit-dependent guy, and uh, playing next to Towns is almost a perfect fit for him. He's the defensive-minded big who can do a bunch of stuff on the offensive end, play make, score from the post, but everything within the two-point line. So he's got to be paired with a big who can shoot and kind of cover up the fact that he hasn't developed a three-point jumper yet. We know Carl Anthony Towns can do that. We know Carl Anthony Towns is a little bit weaker on the defensive end, so Clark can take some of those harder defensive assignments, uh, at least the ones that he can handle, uh, despite having uh, not elite length. But I think this is a natural pairing, and I, I would be excited to see what this Minnesota team can do if this happens to be the pairing that they, they end up with. Uh, Thornton or Tom, or either you guys low on Clark think this is a bad move here. Um, 
and would go a different way, or are you guys on board with with the thinking from me and CJ? No, I, I love uh, Brandon Clark here for the T Wolves. Uh, an underrated aspect too, you know, a junior coming out of college, this few extra years of development. Um, obviously, the Wolves have a slightly uh, accelerated timeline just because Carl Anthony Towns has been in the league already for a few years, uh, along with Andrew Wiggins. So um, we're not talking the Atlanta situation where it's a, a total rebuild um, in, in year one or two. Um, this is a team that's ready to get back to the playoffs and compete. Um, you know, so so Brandon Clark being a junior, I think, is a is an added, added bonus for this Yeah, I, I think so too. I think that's certainly um, the maturity and, and, and the already being an established player and being more about what he already is rather than potential will help them in the uh, try to compete immediately and turn it right back around. Um, so next up, we have Charlotte picking at 12. We initially were going to have a uh, fifth guy on the pod with us, but he had to drop at the last minute. So we're going to kind of do this one as a group consensus because I think Charlotte is one of the harder ones to pick for at this at, uh, at this point. There's talks of them trading back. Um, and as the person people they want, they have lower on their board. They think they can pick up some assets and trade back. They obviously have the Kimba situation. Um and whether he's going to stay or go, depending on, it seems like he's probably committed to staying, but there could be some chances for him to move on if he gets a good offer from a situation that's better for him to, to win at least and compete for a title. So picking at 12 here, um, I think I'm going to throw it to you, Tom. Who would you be? Who would be your first suggestion here? I think I would go Ruri Hachimura, but I'd love to hear us kind of talk through this one, and then we can, we can settle on a pick at the end. Yeah, um... I actually think the way this, this draft is broken down, if Jackson Hayes is available here at 12, I think okay. that would be a pretty, pretty solid pick for yeah. um, Charlotte. Um, that, that would be dependent on Kemba returning. Um, I, I think the uh, the athletic ability of Jackson Hayes would pair really well. Um, obviously, doesn't need the ball to be effective. You know, Definitely in that Clint Capella mold um, mm-hmm. would work really well with Kemba's score for stability. Um, I just say I think it would pair well with Miles Bridges um, in the front court. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Um, I think uh, considering they kind of have a logjam of centers that aren't really great centers um, in Charlotte, they all are probably uh, overpaid to to, to what they're give they're going to give Charlotte this season. Uh, getting a, a a bona fide center who's going to rim run, he's going to be a great pick and roll par- partner with Kemba, and he's going to clean up on the defensive end. Um, can certainly fill some significant holes that the uh, Hor- uh, the Hornets have. Uh, CJ, do you, you your thoughts here? You like this pick, or would you would you go a different way? I'm gonna go in a little bit of a different way. Um, Jeremy Lamb could potentially be leaving the Hornets this offseason via free agency, meaning that you know Tony Parker's retiring. Um, they're gonna need some production out there on the perimeter. Um, you know, Malik Monk can't do it by himself. So I am going to go with a little bit of a shocker. I got the Hornets taking Tyler Hero out of Kentucky. Um, assuming Kimball Walker does stay, um, Tyler can develop into an elite shooter in the NBA. He has good size at 6'6". Um, he can put on the floor a little bit, a scrappy defender. Um, and like I said, he is a high-level shooter. He can shoot the pull-up, the pull-up uh, jump shot mid-range shoot the long three um 
he has a lot of offensive upside. And I think that, you know, playing alongside guys like Kimball Walker in a very low-pressure environment like Charlotte would be the best to maximize his skill set. All right. Well, um, yeah, that's that's a hot take um, in my opinion, but I don't want to go in on Tyler Hero yet. Um, Thornton, why don't you chime in here? Would you would you go Jackson Hayes with me and Tom? Would you go Tyler Hero like CJ? Or would you go a third guy, um, in which case we'll do majority wins and just slot in Jackson Hayes here? In this situation, I probably would slot in Jackson Hayes just because I do see where, C- where CJ is going. He's a... Uh, He's looking in the situation of trying to, uh, well, I guess, turn Charlotte up. You're trying to <laughs> make it exciting. So I, I can see the Tyler Hero pick as far as um, he's a good prospect, but I, I probably have to just go with the flow of how our draft is going and probably best available would be Jackson Hayes and the safer pick for Charlotte. All right. I mean, Charlotte has three capable centers on the roster already. I mean, they got Frank Kaminsky, um, uh, would you use the word capable to describe Frank Kaminsky? No, oh, please. Thank you. Yeah. I, I would use capable a lot more of a threat. Offensively, I'd say that. I mean... Capably, you, capably a liability. Well, That's what it is. Frank Kaminsky's also going to be a free agent this season, so do they bring him back even? They're, they're locked in centers that are like under contract are Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo, and, you know... Bismack Biombo has kind of been a trick-or-treat guy where he we, we know what he can do and he had that one really good series for Toronto in the playoffs a couple years ago. I'm not a big Cody Zeller guy. I don't know if you are, CJ, but are you living under the assumption that they're bringing back Frank Kaminsky to be their starting center? I would think so. All right. Well, um, I certainly... <laughs> I'm yelling out barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. Yeah. Like I said, Scarlett needs to bring in weapons to keep... Kemba happy to give Kemba the best chance to win. I think that bringing in a wing like Tyler Hero, I, I think bringing Tyler Hero is a better move in terms of, like you said, t- turning them up, bringing in that excitement, and he just has way more upside as a scorer. I think his total impact can be more than, um, than Hayes. But All right. That's neither. Fair. Tyler Hero can bring... Charlotte could bring Michael Jordan back, and they still not keeping Kemba. It does not matter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they, yeah. There is nothing that's going to help Charlotte out. That's going to. I really can't see any type of player putting into like. If you really see Kemba's been playing his heart out, and I mean, yeah, I think Malik Monk, given his own type of system, is capable of a type of Kemba style of scoring on a nightly basis, but. I, I don't think you could just insert someone in and just say they automatically help out Kimba in, in Charlotte. Like, I, I don't see anyone helping out Kimba unless Kimba leaves. All right. Um, well, uh, I think that's a that's a good point, and we'll see what happens with Kimba. But I also think we've spent entirely too much time talking about Charlotte. Um, so, Thornton, let's bring that same energy. You're picking for Miami here at 13. Uh, we are both Heat fans. Um, they are in an interesting position here, given their roster construction. Uh, just this week, Goran Dragic opted into the final year of his cl- uh, his contract. It was a player option at around 19 million, I think. Um, so they they're kind of set. They're kind of capped out. They also have a, a variety of young assets in Josh Richardson and Bam Adebayo and Justice Winslow. So Miami has a lot of different ways they could go here. What do you think they do um, uh, at 13? 
I always think that this is going to be a hard one just because um, Miami mostly, I know Hassan's kind of like halfway out the door. Um, I know there's been talks about him going to Charlotte or something like that. Um, but I do, I do know, think it's also what it depends on what Miami's doing in their front office. And I've seen that they might be trying to pursue Jimmy Butler, which kind of in that situation, say we don't get Jimmy, we just get a, I guess, wing like Jimmy. Um, I mean, I, I look into that guard wing of, uh, Nikhil Alexander. Okay. Um, I, I, I do like him as far as he's a smart high IQ player. Um, I do need a look. He kind of reminds me of the only problem is, is we, you know, we're really not sure where Justice Winslow still goes. Um, so the height of Nikhil is what bothers me. I feel like we'd have to have like a big, larger wing, more so like a, like a, literally a Kevin Durant style wing. If we can get one of those guys, then that's the best, <laughs> best thing we could get. But other than that, but yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, there's no Kevin Durant's in this draft, um, but uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker I'd, is... I'd love a seven-foot wing, too. Yeah, I think everyone wants a, a Kevin Durant, Thornton. I think all teams would take him. Um, I made one on 2K last week, Brooks. All right, well, that's great. Until until that 2K player becomes a real-life thing, I think you can only pick who's in front of you. And so, yeah, I, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker um, works well for the Heat here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Nikhil as well. Uh, I think uh, he works as a secondary playmaker because what you have is you have Goran Dragic, who's going to be your primary ball handler. You've got Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow, who have both shown the ability to create on the ball as well. And so being able to slot in uh, someone like Nikhil, who can playmake as a secondary option to either of those three, would give the uh, some, the Heat some positional versatility. He'd fill out their bench. Um Alexander Walker, at least when I watch him and I, I, I read up on him, he comes off as a guy who doesn't, he does everything pretty good to great, but he doesn't do anything at an elite level. Um, so that fits in with kind of a lot of what the Heat already have, but he slots in and can kind of fill that role um, to help alleviate uh, pressure and play make when he needs to. Um, but I definitely think the Heat have multiple options here. They could go with a primary score like Romeo Langford or a more complimentary piece like Keldon Johnson, or they could go after a defensive big like Nick Claxton, but I think the Nikhil Alexander-Walker pick also works. Uh, CJ or Tom, do you guys have pushback here? This is obviously a pretty wide-open pick, so I would understand uh, different thoughts here. I do not. Okay. Tom? Uh, no strong feelings. All right, yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, Miami's in a position where uh, it's a very no strong feelings, and for me, if Nasir Little is gone, I think... Uh, Wherever they go, I'm, I, I, can, I can understand. So uh, moving right along, at 14, we have the first of Boston's three picks. Uh, CJ will be handling all of Boston's picks, so you'll start here. Um, Boston has seemed to make it clear that they, are, they don't want all three picks and that they're going to deal at least one of them. Um, they don't have the room on the roster to fit in three young guys, but under the assumption that they changed their mind and they keep them all, considering they lost out on Anthony Davis, uh, how do you think Boston would go here in their first pick and the last pick of the lottery? Just I need a point guard, huh? I mean, they're definitely straight to pick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I think this pick is is probably going to be traded, but um, like I said, emergency scenario, they don't trade it. How how do you how would you go in this situation based on what you think of their roster? 
Well, they can't draft a point guard because Marcus Smart will fight them. <laughs> or, or, or Terry, if he's still there. You know. Hey, man, T- Terry Rozier thought he could be the, the Kobe to Anthony, da- Anthony Davis' Shaq, so that didn't really happen, but... Hey, don't talk about my cousin like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot you guys. He's your cousin. Who's your cousin? Terry Rozier is Thornton's cousin. Uh, I think he's deep. I think he's deep down the list somewhere, but I'm pretty sure he's a cousin. Is everyone cool? If Tyler Hero comes off the board here. Sure. <laughs> we we can have the Tyler Hero conversation. Two lines. CJ, big um, Tyler Hero guy. Okay, he's a beast, man. I think I think he'd be real good. Yeah. Um, so, so like you, so CJ, you had already gone through your, your thoughts on Tyler Hero, uh, when you said, uh, if you were Charlotte at 12, you would have taken him, uh, mainly his ability to shoot. You think he's going to get in there as a scrappy defender, um, and can obviously provide some floor spacing for the Celtics. He can fill a role for them if they're to keep this pick next to whoever's, uh, playing point for them. And so that makes sense. He's not going to take too many shots away from Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, Kyrie, if he comes back, guys that already want shots. Um, so that all makes sense. I think, um, given that, I'm, I'm going to push back. I'm, I have Tyler Hero very low on my board, and I think the biggest reason, f- I have two big reasons for that. One, he has a negative wingspan, so he's like 6'6", and his wingspan is like 6'4", which is never a good sign. And then also, he's a good shooter, but the thing I got with Tyler Hero is, when, especially when I rewatch his clips, and most importantly, the Elite Eight game with Auburn, is he, as an Auburn fan watching that game, I knew he was like, probably their best shooter, but at the same time, I was like, okay with him taking shots because it just didn't seem like he was ready for the moment and he was ready to make those big shots. And so that's what I worry about translating to the league. I mean, this is a guy that if, if, if when he gets put pressure on him via length and, and, and strength, is he going to be able to respond and hit shots? Because from what I've seen, I'm not sure that that's going to translate at an elite level, which everyone is saying is his go-to skill is elite level shooting. Well, what happens if his elite level shooting is merely slightly above average shooting and then you're you're losing out on the backside because he doesn't have the wingspan to defend uh bigger stronger more athletic wings and he's not athletic enough to stay in front of them so i think that's where we're going to run into issues with him and why i don't think he's um a gold star prospect in any way shape or form brooks is there any type of uh you know, animosity against Tyler. No, I just that that's just that's just my read. I mean, if I if I'm way off, you know, call me out on it. I just that's just what I read when I watch him play. Well, you know, I he's, a he's a bucket, Brooks. He's a walking bucket, Brooks. You should know that. He's an absolute bucket. You're just an Auburn fan. Uh, that's that's all I was thinking. I, I disagree. I mean, he shot 35 percent in college. That's not a walking or from three. Let me let me clarify that. That's not a walking bucket to me. That's what he said he is, Brooks, so you need to get that correct. Okay, okay, I'm just saying. Um, that's That was my thoughts. I mean, CJ, you're obviously very high on him. Thornton, you seem to be higher on him, too. I'm not as high. We will see what happens. He's, he certainly is going to get picked here, but um, picked somewhere in probably the, the teens. I just, I don't agree with it. I wouldn't I wouldn't pick him there if I was if I was an NBA front office. Brooks, I could see where, he, where you'd go there. I, I, see, I see where your pushback is on him. Okay, that, yeah, that's all that I'm saying. But we'll see. You know, I, I don't, I'm not high on him, but that doesn't mean I'm going to root against him. I try to root positively for most everybody. That obviously doesn't work out all the time. But I'd like to see everyone succeed, but I don't think he's going to succeed to the level 
that a pick in the teens will, basically. I think he's the new, um, what's his name, from Duke a couple years ago. The other, the Duke shooter that Detroit took. Luke Kennard? Yeah, Kennard. He's, I think, feel like he's going to be the Kennard of this draft where he's, he's all, it's all about his shooting ability, but he doesn't have much else on the back end. And then if he's not, you know, catching the nets on fire, he's just going to kind of slide into obscurity. So, but, um, we don't have to dwell on that anymore. This is the most, probably the most fired up I'll get. Um, we can, we can move on to Detroit at 15. Tom, you're going to be making the pick for Detroit here. Uh, where are your thoughts? How does Detroit go? Uh, they obviously made the playoffs this season, but were handily defeated in the first round uh, and basically looked outmatched the entire series against the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, Detroit is one of the, the many teams firmly entrenched in NBA purgatory. Uh, obviously locked into two huge contracts with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Um, while, you know, they made it work somewhat this year, you know, scratching to 500 and and making their way into the playoffs, like you said, thoroughly outmatched and dispatched of easily in the first round. Um, because they're locked into those two big contracts, with the you know the two big there. Um, I think they need to surround those those guys with as many you know versatile wings and guards as possible. Uh, so I so I think at this point um, they they'll be going with Romeo Langford out of Indiana. Um, I think he's a pretty versatile player. Uh, obviously had some ups and downs in his only year at Indiana. Uh, pretty highly touted coming coming out of high school, so that uh, uh, Romeo Langford out of Indiana. All right, yeah, I, um, Romeo definitely brings some scoring ability. Um, he's got a good frame, good body for the NBA. Um, he's he, and so I think he's gonna he's gonna fix a lot of what they don't have, which is a wing score. Really, um, they have Reggie Jackson, but he's he's a, he's a small guard. They have Luke Kennard, but they don't really have a wing score and, and Langford at, at 6-6 with a 6-11 wingspan can certainly do that. Um, I think at a solid level for them in the NBA. Uh, CJ and Thornton, you guys like the pick here? Yeah, I like Romeo Langford. He too is also a bucket and um, he was very valuable for that Indiana Hoosier basketball team last year. Um, although, you know, he was hurt and all. But when healthy, you can certainly see the, the talent. Was, was he hurt, actually? Yeah, I th- he did have an injury. <laughs> yeah, he had some knee issues, I think. Um, yeah, um, but, you know, regardless, when when he is healthy, you, you get the talent's there. Very highly talented high school player. Um, can definitely, I can definitely see his game transition well to the NBA stage. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks like he played with a torn thumb ligament. So his shooting numbers were depressed, and that could very well be because of the torn ligament. So he gets that fixed. We might see his shooting numbers improve, which would obviously increase his upside in the league. Um, But uh, so after 15, we'll do a quick recap of the last five picks. Uh, We had CJ taking... Brandon Clark for Minnesota at 11. As a consensus, we, we decided for on Jackson Hayes for Charlotte at 12. Uh, Thornton took Nikhil Alexander-Walker for Miami at 13. Uh, some back and forth on CJ going with Tyler Hero for Boston at 14. And then Tom snags Romeo Langford for Detroit at 15. We move on to Orlando uh, at 16. Thornton's going to be picking for them. They, too, slid into the playoffs this season um, and got an upset win over the eventual champions before being put down soundly. Um, obviously, Orlando big about that length length rangey defenders and that's kind of the core they're building down there but they will have choices to make with Nikola Vucevic uh coming up to free agency this year Thornton how do you see them going here in the draft personally this is 
pretty tricky, honestly, because I mean, looking at their team needs, you there's you're not really sure where their roster's going. I don't know necessarily if Mo Bamba has enough meat on his bones to be able to handle the big bodies in the post um, for a whole entire season. So it's like, do you get him back up or do you get a veteran? Um, I mean, my biggest feel is I would have to say they would have to go guard here um, because you're not sure of Fultz and you're not you have DJ Augustine's getting old, and they, I don't think they've had a point guard since Tamir Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, but do we call him a point guard? So, I mean, even here, God, uh, our board's shaking up, but I'd have to go maybe best available for what we have. And I could see Kevin Porter Jr. playing an extended two role for them. Okay. Or a three for uh, for the fact of Aaron Gordon. Yeah, him and Aaron Gordon could have an extended role together. I mean, that's he's lanky. He's lengthy. Kind of fits them their mold that they're building. I mean, yeah, he's very versatile as far as his moves, shot off the dribble, and just probably one of my favorite, most exciting players to watch. Honestly, yeah, I know. Um, what, what do you like most about him? Um, I love I love his his. Uh, Honestly, his dribble transition moves, he he knows how to get his own shot. It's it's kind of ridiculous. He's kind of like a uh, Darius Garland. When I when I watch him and Darius Garland, you see that their body their body types are always under control. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever their whatever their dribble moves are, they use their body to um to throw the defenders off. And one person, one point guard who does that, uh, I guess, would be Damian Lillard. Is big on that, but I see how with a lot of their with a lot of their moves, the way their body transfers, where they transfer their weight, and how they let that set up their shots. I just think it's unique watching him play, and he's only eighteen. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I feel like his his ceiling is going to be pretty big if they get him in a pretty good system. Darn, yeah, no, I I think he has a pretty high upside. Um, I think he's, pro- he's he's a worker from what I've I've read about him, and so I think um, given the opportunity, he should be able to excel. Um, and, and as long as they can hammer out some of the things he doesn't do as as well, um, I think he can figure it out. Uh, Tom, what do you think there uh, with Kevin Porter going to Atla- Orlando? Um, I, I think he's going to bring a lot of pizzazz down to Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, to have a, a guy with that uh, that much shooting ability um, and, and, and be that long, um, he can obviously grow in uh, to, to a defensive role down there. Um, but right off the bat, I think uh, you know, you're going to be seeing him hitting some bombs uh, for, for, from deep in his rookie season. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think he's going to have a couple highlight plays um, throughout his rookie season. You know, he might not be the most productive rookie, um, but he's going to make some highlights. He's going to show some flashes, and then he's going to continue to improve as he moves forward. Um, so next up at 17, we've got uh, Atlanta again for the pick that they got back in the trade where they sent Toreen Prince to the Nets, uh, and they took on some bad contracts to earn this pick. Um, I think this is the third pick. Again, Atlanta might be trading some of their picks, but given the way our draft has shaken out, I'm going to go here with uh, Nick Claxton, uh, the center from Georgia. He's seen his stock rise uh, after performing pretty well at the Combine. 
Um, he was actually kind of up and down on whether or not he was going to stay in the draft. And then at, at fair, at, towards the deadline, he committed to staying in the draft. Um, he did a lot at Georgia. He almost handled the ball a, a, a lot of the time at Georgia. They had a weird team. But he's a big, you know, he's almost seven feet tall. He's But he does have some baseline perimeter skills that obviously isn't the selling point. But he does have some ability to do that. And I think that's going to continue to fit into this mold of what Atlanta's doing, where they're just getting highly skilled guys who can play a lot of positions and bring some athleticism. And I think, you know, after getting Siku and Cam Reddish earlier, if they can get set with a big like Nick Claxton here, that'll put them in a great position um, to continue to play with some junkie and some weird lineups and kind of make teams work and continue to be fun and exciting. Um, and I would be, I would look forward to them adding him to their roster. Obviously, this is a place where they could go a bunch of different ways, but I think I could see them going with Claxton here. Um, Thornton and Tom, uh, I think CJ had to jet out on us because he actually has to do more Phoenix draft coverage, but uh, either of you guys have pushback on Claxton here. Would, would you go a different way? Um, I just seem to think that Atlanta probably needs to round out their lineup with a center because their centers are kind of not elite ones and you know take a chance on Claxton here with your third first rounder. Yeah, I just think it's tough to obviously, um, you know, to, to really get in depth here because the, the really notion to write is that Atlanta's not going to use all three first round picks. Yeah, um, probably not. With that being said, with that being said, I, I I agree with the the center pick here. I think earlier when 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 they went with uh, uh, Seku, uh, I, I was leaning towards Jackson Hayes there. So yeah. the fact that they you know come back around here on the third time, grab their grab their traditional center now. Um, like you said, though, with uh, with some nice decent perimeter ability, um, brings a little something extra to the table that uh, will allow Atlanta to continue to experiment with those uh, out of the box lineups. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Thornton, any thoughts, or you just parrot in what we've got, gone with so far? Uh, I probably have to just agree with you guys on that one. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious to what Atlanta's doing with how they're drafting the past couple of years and what they're setting up for, and they're going to be shooting a lot of three-pointers. So, I mean, that means they're going to definitely have to have a big man rebound. So Yeah. All right, so next up we have Indiana. This is another one where I think we're probably going to work together to come up with a pick here. Um, they obviously, we saw them struggle a little bit, especially in the uh, playoffs after Oladipo went down. They were able to get to the playoffs and compete, but they were they were inevitably swept out by the Celtics. Um, they have the situation with Tyreek Evans getting suspended, so that's going to throw their lineup into some flux. I think there's a lot of different ways they could go here. I wouldn't be surprised if they went with either of the rem- the remaining Kentucky guys, Keldon Johnson as a defense first guard who can hit some shots um, and play make when called upon. And then, or PJ Washington, who's more of a big, but can also step out and hit an open shot um, when needed. He would kind of work as a as a third big in their lineup with uh, um, with uh, Miles Turner and Demontis Sabonis. What do you guys think uh, here for Indiana? I think Hero would have been the natural pick here. Yeah, um, I, I, if he was if he was still on the board, yes. He fills every need uh, that need that was exposed by Oladipo. Injury and not to mention compliment Oladipo perfectly when he does come back. Yes. With that being said, um, I, I, I think they would go with Keldon Johnson. Okay. Um, because he does bring to the table, you know, that, that, that guard wing role. Um, 
with with the exceptional shooting uh, and, and the first defensive first mentality. Um, so if they are able to bring um, uh, uh, Bogdanovich, right? Yes, uh, he's Bogdan. a free agent. Yes, he is. So if they're able to bring him back, and then and Depot comes back, uh, I think he would complement two of them really well. Okay, yeah, I I, I agree with that. Thornton, uh, thoughts in line there? You you would think you would you be wildly different? Uh, I'd honestly probably go in the same same direction. So I feel like this would be out of your spot, but in the situation we are in right now, I would say that I, I don't have any um, pushback with Keldon Johnson in that situation because you you need that. Like you said, he can be that guy that's going to play defense, but then, you know, if he needs to make some plays, you know, he doesn't need to make them all the time, but he is capable of making plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what they kind of lack as far as having that playmaker or person who can kind of see the floor. Um, and especially Tyreek Evans was kind of the next person that has that next capability, but with him out, yeah, that, I think that'll be a good pick for them with Kelvin Johnson. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, so next up at 19, we have San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio lost in seven in the first round to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the kind of, you know, it's, it's in this weird nebulous when San Antonio, we're so used to them being at the top of the NBA, and after the Kawhi trade and all that drama, they slotted DeMar DeRozan in. They were solid but not great, and now they're in their position, actually, because of that Kawhi trade. They have two first-round picks. They're picking here at 19 and again at 29. Tom, with this first uh, San Antonio pick, you've got them. Where do you think they go here? Um, how do they kind of, I guess, project for the future when you know they've, they're mostly tied up with money committed to Aldridge and DeRozan, and then have to? But then they also have a young backcourt that looks exciting uh, going forward. Yeah, um, you know, I feel like San Antonio has sort of been in this period of transition now, uh, really for two years. Right, started with the the whole Kawhi saga, um, and then you know went into this year with. You know, going forward with DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, sort of centerpiece, and then trying to develop these younger guys. Uh, I think at this point, though, at 19, the, the other Kentucky player comes off the board. Um, I think T.J. Washington is the pick here. Coach, um, you touched on him a little bit earlier. He, he, is, a, he is a big, um, but he does have the ability to step out and knock down some shots, uh, which just sounds like a, the perfect Greg Popovich big. Uh, <laughs> it seems like they've had a factory of him when they were winning championships. Uh, so I, I think the pick here for them would be P.J. Washington. Yeah, no, I, I, I like the P.J. Washington fit for the Spurs. Um, there's a couple other guys I do also think that the Spurs will probably be looking to target, but they might think they can get them later on in the draft. Um, and given that, I think they'll probably go P.J. Washington here. Um, I think, he, yeah, exactly. He's a he's a big man. He's going he's gonna to play defense, but he can step out and hit a three. Um, I think he'll be perfect in Pop's system um, and work well with their team dynamic that they have going on, play well with their guards. Um, that they're bringing up, uh, so I think that'll be a, a, a perfect fit for them. Uh, Thornton, uh, you agree with the PJ Washington move uh, that he's a, he's a pop guy, or, or would you go a different way? I, I definitely couldn't agree more with this pick. So okay, well, Tom, you explain it to a T. So well, so with that, we'll move on to number twenty, uh, the Celtics' second pick. Um, like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, CJ had to pop out on us to cover the uh, Suns draft locally for them. So here at 20, we can kind of handle the Celtics because they would have been CJs as a, as a group a little bit. But uh, I am definitely, like CJ mentioned, I don't think Boston keeps all of these picks. They might own, they might not keep any of them. They might keep just one. Um, so if I'm Boston picking here and they are keeping this, I'm probably taking a risk on a, uh, on a high, high upside guy that could maybe well turn out. And I think 
that would be Bol Bol. Um, I'm not entirely sold on Bol Bol. I have a lot of reservations. Um, I've heard his work ethic and his commitment to basketball are fluctuating. He's extremely thin. He he lost like 20 pounds after injuring his foot, which I would think you would gain pounds if you can't be on your foot for months at a time, but he lost pounds, so that's something uh, that makes me worry uh, extremely. But if you're the Celtics here, it's a high upside pick. If he works out, he's this skilled ginormous big who can block shots and hit threes and do all these skilled things while also being a defensive anchor. So I think this would be the natural pick for the Celtics here. There's obviously players I like better, but just for the Celtics situation, I think this would be the way they go. Um, do any of, do either of you guys have a better thought for the Celtics here? Um, I'm uh, kind of no, li- I, I, I think that the mentality is exactly right. They've already hit some home runs in, in recent drafts. Um, and with the AD trade falling through, um, you just got to take swings on guys that, uh, you know, may develop into something and, and you move on down the line, but you, you don't necessarily need um, guys to contribute right away because you already have a, sorry, you already have a, a gluttony uh, of them on your roster currently. Yeah. Uh, Thornton, you have any thoughts? Or you just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest here, Brooks. I like a little bull bull. My man's got some sauce to his game, okay? <laughs> He's got it. <laughs> Granted, I do agree with you. He's in that same uh, book with me as far as... Uh, no meat on the bone. Yeah, exactly. Mo, mo Bama category here. I need, I, need, I need to put some more meat on them. Slash, you know, you got to see their durability being um, so skinny at that rank playing as a big man. Um. You know, he's in that category with, like, Taco Fall and all those guys. Well, Taco has a little bit more meat on him. But um, with Bobo, I think he he gives the chance to be a – he's a little bit more versatile, which I think is his upside. You know, he he is kind of like Al Horford stretched out and a little bit more loose. So, I mean, mean, like Tom said, I guess you kind of do just take the swing at it. It's not really bad if it works out. You get a rim protector that – can score a little bit. So, I mean, I don't necessarily say it's a bad pick, but it could definitely be an experimental one. Yeah, for sure. You're picking for the upside um, rather than um, just kind of taking a guy that which you know what it is just because of how filled out your roster is and how committed you are at this point. Um, and it's definitely a, uh, a choice that would make sense, especially given the, the uh, Celtics history. They've taken risks on foreign prospects in the past and tried to make them work. So, And kind of like what they did last year where they had that later round pick and they took Robert Williams at the Texas A&M. He was a little bit of a risk, and they're just kind of developing him. Um, it, would, it would fit with what they're trying to do. All right, so uh, with that, I'll recap the last five picks quickly before we move on to 21 and Oklahoma City. So at 16, uh, Thornton took Kevin Porter Jr. for Orlando. At 17, I took Nick Claxton for the Hawks. At 18, we decided that Keldon Johnson would probably be the natural pick for Indiana here given how our draft has played out. At 19, uh, Tom snagged P.J. Washington for San Antonio. And at 20, we all kind of agreed that the Celtics would probably take a risk on Bull Bull. So Thornton coming up at 21, we've got the Oklahoma City Thunder. We kind of know what they are at this point. They're committed to Russell Westbrook. They're committed to Paul Paul George long-term. They're committed to Steven Adams at a big number. Um, so you've kind of got your three pieces there in the playoffs. Once again, we saw that they don't they 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 lacked shooting um, and seemed to need more of that at all times. But they don't really have it. 
Um, what do you think uh, is the best move for the Thunder here at 21? There are some shooters on the board. There's some versatility on the board. How do you think they go? Oh, um, I could see them. <laughs> I could see, honestly, with this pick, them going if maybe just maybe I could see them going with Cam Johnson. Okay. Um, I see you keep. Uh, now we have to wait because apparently we all made Russell angry last year, and he had to become a better passer. So now we made him mad because he was a bad shooter, and we talked about it. So he's going to become a better shooter next year. So we do have to wait to see that, Brooks. Okay, he's yeah. going to be more efficient. But um, other than that, I can see Paul George is good. Sam Sam is always going to be a hard worker, but I feel like they've been struggling to find that two and four spot um, to just coexist. And I feel like Cam Johnson would be a great spot up shooter to just. When Paul George and Russell Westbrook are doing their thing in ISO or transition, they just need that one person who really wasn't Terrence, Terrence Ferguson. He can make a couple of those, but he wasn't doing it consistently. Yeah. I think Cam Johnson could be that, and it would actually be better for his injury um, issues that he's been having. So, yeah, for um, that'd be my pick. For sure. And I mean, uh, I've heard a lot of talk. I think Cam Johnson is actually being talked about as probably the best shooter in the draft. He shot. Forty-six percent um, from at, from the from three at UNC this year. Uh, he's a senior. He is older, but uh, I think with that older being older, he's going to bring that maturity. He's going to be ready to play um, in college. He not only spot up shot, but he shot well coming off of screens, and he ran hard in transition. And while he's pretty much limited to coming off screens and shooting off the catch in spot up and th- those situations and kind of finishing uh, in transition. If you're the Thunder, that's kind of all you really need from him. You don't need him to create. You don't need him, you know, to make plays out of the pick and roll. You need him to hit open shots when uh, PG and Russell hit, uh, find him with passes, and you need him to play solid defense. And it seems like he'll be able to do both of those things. Uh, so I do like, uh, I like that fit. Uh, I think that's probably one of the better fits we're going to see, especially uh, in this in the twenty to thirty sec- segment of the draft, where the Oklahoma City is going to get could get a guy that could immediately contribute in the way they need most, arguably. Yeah. So, no, I, I I think that's good. Tom, any thoughts on Cam Johnson? Mad that Philly doesn't get a shooter of his caliber? Yeah, you... I mean, I'm just like, you'd want another shooter off the board uh, that will be available at 24 for the Sixers. But, um, you know, I, I actually like Cam Johnson's pick a lot. Um, the shooting's going to help OKC right away. Um, and, and him being a senior um, should help him step up and, and possibly contribute uh, quicker than, you know, a guy who you know, would just be turning 19 this year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so moving on to 22, we have Boston's final pick. Um, all of the Boston's picks have been uh, a, a, a collaborative effort, basically, to this point. Um, I'm not sure. If they go, I had uh, seen uh, thoughts that they might try to go with go with Gogo Bidazi. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that. The big man from Georgia, like the country, not the state. Um, but if they go bowl bowl, I don't think they go Goga. So, uh, I'm just, I'm going to throw it to you guys, get some, get some input here. How do you think Boston goes here? I could see them maybe looking into a point guard or a guard with the assumption that they're going to lose one of Kyrie or Terry Rozier. So I wouldn't be stunned if they went like Ty Jerome or somebody here, but, um, obviously not sold on that thought. What do you guys think? Yeah, I actually think they would go Ty Jerome here. Um, just because of, 
they're probably pretty much guaranteed losing Terry at this point. Maybe Kyrie as well. Obviously, Terry possibly bring Terry back if, if Kyrie signs elsewhere earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do think they end up going guard here just because beyond the, the, those two, um, the roster has left itself pretty pretty thin at the guard position. Okay. Yeah, I think I think Ty Jerome would be a natural guard to slot in. He'd work well in their system. Um, and he'd be surrounded by guys who are big and def- and can defend and can f- and can cover for the fact that he's uh, he's got a little bit less of a wingspan. He's a little bit athletically limited, and so he can get coverage for that. Much like we saw the uh, Celtics surround Isaiah Thomas with guys that could cover for him being shorter. What do you what do you think, Thornton? You like that pick? Yeah, I definitely go with the same pick. I wouldn't have much difference or anything on that type. I think that's probably our best decision in that. For Boston, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't change that much in there. Oh yeah, I um I think that's a yeah like like we said it's a natural fit for them at that spot. Um, it's probably the best they're going to get there, and it's insurance if they lose one or two of their point guards in uh, free agency this season. Um, so uh, that brings up Utah at twenty three. This is another one we're going to pick collaboratively, kind of make the decision collaboratively because we're down a man. Um, I had, I think Utah is going to be on the prowl for, uh, probably a wing that can also hit shots. Uh, so kind of like what Oklahoma city was looking for and kind of like what Philly is looking for. Um, they're all kind of looking for similar players here. Um, with Cam Johnson off the board, I think they'll probably take a look at, uh, Matthias Theibel of Washington. They might take a look at, uh, Casey Okapala from Stanford, um, I'm very high on Matthias Thibel, so I think that he probably would go off the board here, but I could also see an argument for someone with more creation abilities, like almost even a Carson Edwards or even a Tyler Horton Tucker. Uh, what do you guys think here? I think this is one where we can kind of basically vote on somebody um, and, and kind of go from there. Uh, so, thoughts? Utah's uh, a tricky situation as well, Tom. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, I think they end up taking uh, Matthias Seibel out of Washington, mm-hmm. um, but selfishly would, would hope he'd still be available at 24. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I think he, he's the perfect fit for Quinn Snyder and really Utah's identity, right? I mean, he's just a, he's a dog on the defensive end. Right? Yeah. He anchored that Washington zone. Um, he's going to fit right in and get after it. Uh, like, I, I do think, I you know, I hate that I keep agreeing with you here, Brooks, but... Um, you're, you're throwing out names that are just fitting, you know, fitting like puzzle pieces into these teams. Yeah, no, um, I, I, like, like I said, um, selfishly, I was, I'm like, I think sliding Thibel in here makes the most sense, but I do also think that if Thibel gets to 24, he fits in perfectly with what Philly wants to do and is basically like another Roco for them. Um, in many ways, and so I kind of like just for I think accuracy purposes, I kind of almost want to say let's just hold off and put Thibel at Philly because I'm assuming that's who you would pick if he's available. But I don't know if there's a better option for Utah with Cam Johnson um, and some of these other uh, shooting wings off the board. So I think we kind of almost have our hand forced here and have to go Thibel unless Thornton has a better suggestion to fit in with Utah. Um. Well. I guess the worst part is I can't really say these people's names, but I mean, as far as that, it's we're looking at best available in our draft at the moment, and we, like Tom said, we can't hate to agree. Y'all want to throw a wrench in this whole system, but it's kind of the 
situation where he kind of he fits for that team. Yeah, he just fits so well that it um it's hard. It it, it makes it uh, difficult to just not go that way. So I think given that, we'll just kind of have to slot up. Uh, Thibault in here, and uh, the only wrench that's getting thrown is the wrench into probably whoever Tom wanted to pick. Uh, a couple thoughts on Thibault further. Um, he didn't shoot as well from three this past season at Washington, but he's shown in the past a pretty good ability to shoot from three. He hit a pretty high percentage when uh, he played with uh, Markel Fultz, and so I think if he's on the floor with another playmaker like Donovan Mitchell and like whoever Utah gets as their point guard, then he will hit open shots, and I'm excited to see what this guy does defensively. He's He was all-time defender in uh, Washington zone, set records for steal and block numbers, and I think that off-ball ability, that getting his hands in the passing lane, he's going to make some plays happen, and he's also going to be that kind of guy where a lot of the people will underrate his ability because outside of steals and blocks, his, his numbers probably won't jump off the charts, kind of how like Iguodala's numbers don't often jump off the charts, but if you're watching the games night in and night out, you're going to see the tiny little differences he makes and how he changes a game defensively, and I think that's going to be exciting to watch. But uh, with that, we'll move to 24. Philadelphia, your team, Tom, uh, you've now got a wrench, you've got a little bit of difference, got to make an adju- adjustment. So how would you go here at 24, given what the board looks like? Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, in between probably three players, uh, the way this draft has gone, we still have Rui Hachimara available. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think is, you know, compared to, obviously not your big board, Brooks, but a lot of big boards, people see him coming off as a lottery pick. So oh, yeah. I think there would be, there would be value there. Um, I don't necessarily think he fits what the Sixers need. He's a little too slow um, to be that sort of wing defender that they're uh, that they're in desperate need of. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does fill he does fill the shooting and, and playmaking role that they um, that they would like off the bench as well. So I mean, I, I think that's the best possible pick there. Okay. That's like uh, KZ Opala out of Stanford. Yep. Um, issue there is super super raw, right? You, you know, Sixers are. In championship mode, they're in win now right mode right now. Um, they've already got Thayer Smith, who you know they're 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 working on and, and trying to turn into an everyday contributor. So I think to add another one here um, might not be great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually going to go with Carson Edwards out of Purdue. Okay, I think he's going to he's going to bring in um, that that huge shooting that they're going to need. Um, and I think I honestly think he he could you know sort of come in and, and fill that FVD role that that. Uh, Van Vliet provided Toronto on this year's championship team, right? You know, help, yeah. help run the bench unit, but also slot him with the starters and just hit open shots because, you know, if the Sixers are able to run it back um, with, with, with the four players they got, you put Carson Edwards in the corners, you can knock down open threes all day. Oh, for sure, and he would definitely be insurance in case they can't bring back J.J. Redick. Like you said, if they can bring back Jimmy and um, Tobias, he slots in with the starting lineup with those two, Embiid and Simmons, as a guy who's just knocked down and makes it harder to help off Simmons, help off Embiid because you just have his ability to knock down. And he showed that ability in college to run off screens. Probably not yet at JJ's level because I would argue that JJ's running off screens and shooting the ball while unbalanced is top tier um he can definitely get there and he's shown that ability um he is a look he can be streaky and so they'll have to deal with that but i i like that idea of given thibel's off the board some of the other wing shooters are off the board it makes sense to go for a guard shooter um that can fill in that kind of point guard role that we kind of saw philly struggling to fill at times this season so um 
Thornton, any thoughts on Carson Edwards at 24? Are you, you good to move to – we can move on. Personally, I love that, that pick, so I, I would definitely move on. I believe that's it. All right. Great. So 24 um, is Portland – or 25, my, my bad, is Portland. I'll be making that pick here. Uh, we saw Portland um, take it all the way to the Western Conference Finals this season, um, and they led in most of the games but were out, out, outdone by the Warriors – and so they definitely have uh, they they got that far without um, their center at Nurkic, and so we we definitely think that at least I think that going forward they're probably going to commit to this core, continue to try and build, but they need to find a way to plug in gaps. And I think the biggest gap that they have, and something that we've seen consistently them struggle with, is the fact that they don't have a guy who can play make in short roll situations. And I know it's it's it seems kind of niche to argue for one specific skill set that you absolutely need, but I think because of who's left on the board, um, that's what Portland targets here. So I have them taking Grant Williams from Tennessee here at 25. I'm extremely high on Grant Williams just because I think he's a very high floor guy. You know exactly what you're getting. You know a guy who's going to be able to pass and play make out of the post inside the two uh, inside the three-point line. You know he's going to do those things well. You know he's going to get down and grind and defend as well as he can. He's going to be a hard worker. He's going to die for loose balls. He's going to do those little things. But that key skill set that he has is that when teams are going to come out and they're going to trap C.J. McCollum and trap Damian Lillard, and we've seen both C.J. and Damian struggle with this in ways, and you know that they're going to be adding stuff to their games to be able to deal with this, it's still something that they need because Nurkic can't really do that very well. Aminu can't do that very well. Mo Harkless can't do that very well. But Grant Williams, he can set that screen, short roll, get the ball from Damian, and then make a play on the in the um, advantage situation, kind of like we see from Draymond. Now, I don't think he's going to make plays and passes on Draymond's level, but that's a similar skill set we're working with. And so I think he's the perfect fit here. If he, f I think he might probably go higher because, honestly, I, I would take him over many of the players that have come off the board already just because I think he's a he's an established quantity, but he also needs to fit well or else we're probably going to see him align and kind of struggle on second units and be asked to do things that he doesn't do well. Whereas at Portland, I think they're going to ask him to do exactly what he excels at. He's going to build his skill level. I think he can develop that jumper over time and and that way, he's going to fit a perfect need for them, and he's going to bring in he's bring in that immediately. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to get get the job done. So I'm big for Grant Williams here at 25 for Portland. Um, and either of you guys uh, disagree with the pick? Or are you guys both on board with that one as well? I think it's extreme value. Uh, like I said, I don't I don't know that he's going to be there at 25, um, but it's extreme value for a Portland team that um, again is just looking to run it back with this core. Uh, you add a piece here where, like you said, known quantity, but the Duke can get a bucket down low. Um, and I don't expect that to change in the NBA. Um, it's going to be really a question of if he can do other things. Uh, but I uh, think at 25, Portland would be ecstatic to get a player like Graham Williams. Yeah. Um, Thornton, any yeah, thoughts? I gotta, yeah, I have to agree on that. I mean, pretty much his his game describes his every level. He's he's always going to get, like you said, he's always going to give you a hundred percent. He's you know he's going to go hard all the time, and he's a hard work. I've seen that. One thing I have seen in his pre-draft workouts, and like Tom said as well, um, if he's going to be there is a big deal. But I have seen he has been working on his outside shot to also um, stretch it out, stretch out his game a little bit. Which I feel like could be a um, due to his size, you know being a, to me, he's a little slightly undersized, but the way his game is, it's kind of a bigger body, DeMarcus Cousins style, bang with you game, and he gets in there technical, but I, I just don't think that, um, 
I think it'll be a great pick for them, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and um, I think this is probably one of the top five fits. If that they, if he falls to them, he it's got to be a quick trigger on that one because I think he slides in perfectly for exactly what they need uh, going forward. Um, so with that, uh, I will review the last five picks before we go into the final five picks of our mock draft. We had uh, Thornton taking Cameron Johnson for Oklahoma City at 21. We took Jai, Ty Jerome for Boston at 22. Uh, Matthias Theibel goes to Utah at 23. Carson Edwards goes to Philadelphia at 24. And Grant Williams goes to Portland at 25. That'll get us to 26, which is going to be Cleveland's second pick. Uh, I wasn't very sure what to do with this uh, pick. I think Cleveland can kind of go anywhere with this pick. I have them taking DeAndre Hunter earlier in the draft. And so I think because of the way our board has played out, I think the go-to pick here would be Ruri Hachimura. Um, you have a guy with high potential. He wants to be a star. He wants to be the face of basketball for Japan. Um, I, he's got a, a versatile skill set. He's kind of raw, so he can you can develop him how you need him to fit in well with Colin Sexton, and theoretically with DeAndre Hunter, he can probably play next to Kevin Love in some way, shape, or form. He, he does have some learning to do on the defensive end, and he will have to work on that. But he's got a versatile offensive skill set. He can shoot the ball a little bit. And at this point for Cleveland, they just need to take best available. And I think he's almost certainly the best available at 26. Um, either of you guys disagree there? No, I think Chris Yeah, I think he's a high, high IQ player, and I think with Cleveland, they just need to get enough high IQ players to be so that that guys are in the right positions. Because who knows what Cleveland's going to do anyway? So just yeah. put some guys that are going to at least know what to do about spacing and other things. I think he has his head in the right place. For sure, for sure. Um, and I think that's going to be important uh, for them to build their team going forward. All right. With that, we'll move on to number twenty-seven, Brooklyn. Uh, this is their first pick of the draft after trading away the 17 pick. Thornton, you're going to be making this selection for them. They obviously seem to be betting big on free agency. There's some hints. Uh, Kyrie signed with Rock Nation. Maybe Kyrie's coming to Brooklyn. Maybe they bring back um, D'Angelo Russell. Maybe he, they let him walk. It's going to be interesting what their backcourt looks like. But um, what do you think they do here at 27? Where it gets a little bit more thin down the line. Yep. But um, you know, Brooks, I might have to call for a lifeline on this one. I really don't know who I would go with on this one. Yeah. Um. Um. I mean, I think there's a couple different ways they could go here. I think it's going to be about uh, kind of what they're looking for. Like, I would, I was initially thinking that they maybe go for a big, and so I. Th- at some point, just to, to have another guy decide Jarrett Allen, um, maybe a versatile big. But I think, given the way our boards played out, I might go with Goga Bitstay, the Georgian big. Um, there's some talk that he might be the best big in the draft. A lot of teams are high on him. Um, he brings some two-way uh, potential. He's a pretty good interior scorer, both rolling um, on the pick-and-roll and off cuts. Um, he sets really, really good screens. He's shown some flashes of being able to attack and closeouts. He plays pretty good defense. 
Um, so I think if you slot him in there, you've got um, a solid guy who's not only could be a backup big, but he could also probably um, compete for the starting job. And if you're going to commit to whether it be D'Angelo Russell or Kyrie Irving, you know these are these are ball dominant point guards, and Spencer Dinwiddie is the same way. And so most of your guards are ball dominant who like to attack off the pick and roll. You might as well have as many bigs who can attack off the pick and roll themselves. Bitstay also can fill the role as he's a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker than Jared Allen. He might be able to handle some of the punishment that gets dealt out by the bigger bigs in the uh, Eastern Conference, especially Joel Embiid. Uh, it was pretty clear in their series with the Sixers that Embiid just kind of beasted Jared Allen, and it was just like nothing was there. Embiid just went right through him. Bitstay is going to going to provide a little bit more force. He's going to make uh, Embiid work a little bit harder, and he's a veteran of some European league, so he brings some, you know, he's, he's already established himself professionally overseas, and so he's not going to be a deer in headlights, and he knows how to how to fight with, with strong men, and so I think if he's on the board, that's probably a good way for them to go here. Uh, Tom, do you have any other thoughts, uh, major disagreements with that idea? Uh, just board man gets paid. Yeah, well, board man does get paid, that's for sure. Dear God. <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, with that, yeah we'll, go, go, go. yeah, we'll just slot Goga in. I'm, I'm interested to see how he looks in the NBA and where he goes in this draft. Like I said, um, it's very, it's very possible that he goes higher, but on our board, he slipped to this point, And I definitely think he could make a difference for them uh, in, in the ways that I broke out. So next up, we'll have Golden State here at 28. Um, Golden State, um, obviously, after the last couple games of the NBA Finals, this is a very tough position. They had both Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson go out with severe injuries that are going to keep them out most of the season next year. I think it's probably certain that Klay Thompson comes back. I would be stunned if Klay leaves. Um, however, Kevin Durant's more up in the air. Um, I think, obviously, he's Kevin Durant. You do everything you can to bring him back, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he leaves. Uh, bringing him back would kind of cap out Golden State and put them in this tough situation where they can't really fill out their bench, and then they play the majority of the regular season with just Steph and Dre and whatever pieces they can fit around them. Andre's coming back, obviously, but then outside of that, you're not really sure what you're going to get from the other positions. And so um, with that, they really need to hit here in the draft, which makes it tough because I think there's a natural fit here for them. Um, but he also happens to be someone who's injured. Um, I think the Auburn product, Chuma Okiki, would fit perfectly for Golden State. I think uh, Chuma's probably one of the better prospects in the draft, and that's not just Auburn bias. He plays good perimeter defense both on and off the ball. He makes open threes. He can attack in the post and on closeouts um, when he gets the opportunity, and he's going to fit a role as a versatile NBA wing. But... I don't know if Golden State takes him here just because he's injured and he's gonna he tore his ACL in the NCAA tournament and is gonna sit out the majority of the season rehabbing that. Um, but other than that, there's not a ton of really good options for them um, that I think are gonna be able to contribute Im immediately and fill in their role. I would think it. I don't think it makes sense for them to target a big or someone like that who can't who uh, they already have a glut of bigs, and now some of them might leave, but they're, if they're going to continue to invest in bigs, I think it's kind of a waste of a roster space. So um, I don't know if you guys, I would I, I would personally pick Chuma, but I don't think with their injury situation they will. So I think they might actually go after someone, uh, and this might be a little bit of a reach, but I think it makes sense for them to go wing here. 
I think they'd go after someone like Lukens Dort, uh, the Arizona State guard. He's a strong-bodied guard. He's kind of built like an M NFL linebacker, you know, 6'4", 220, but he's got like a 6'9", wingspan. He's going to defend. I think he's going to. I think he has the ability to make open shots with, give, with uh, given the opportunity. He's going to bring energy. I think he's also that kind of tough physical guy that you know when they play the entirety of next season, whether it's just Steph and Draymond out there, he's the kind of guy that's going to come to Steph's aid. And when people when teams are being super physical with uh, Steph, Dort's going to reciprocate on the other end and be like, "Oh, if you want to play physical, we can do that." Um, he's the type of guy that's going to rumble uh, defensively, and I think he would fit really well here. Um, and like I said, to qualify, I think if these injuries hadn't happened, and I still think it's possible that they go after Chuma, but I think the injuries, you don't want three guys on your roster um, that are all sitting out the majority of the season. So I think they go with a guy like Dort. Uh, obviously, that's probably a little bit controversial of a pick. What are your guys' thoughts there? Agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that would be a little bit of a reach to say Chuma at, at, at 28, uh, especially during the injury. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Stephanie said Golden State found himself in a situation where they right, they really haven't been in, in six years or so. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Excuse me. Um, it'll be interesting where, where, where they do go here. Um, I probably see them going with a, a wing shooter type. Um, so I think, I, uh, you know, if, if I were in this position, I'd probably go with Taylor Horton Tucker okay. out of Iowa State. Yeah. Um, obviously, not the best shot collection overall, but the ball is not really going to be in his hand a whole lot. Yeah, um, he can knock down open threes, and he's a big he's a big body guard that you know that can sort of fit in well while while Clay Thompson, um, you know, recovers from that twenty seal. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I think he's definitely on the board. I'm a little lower on Horton Tucker. I'm he's he's super young, super raw, and so I'm not sure what exactly he's going to turn out to be. He has a high ceiling, but I also think he has a really low floor. Like I said, I think Chuma's a risk. I think in the end, and who I'm going to slot in for our draft officially is Dort, but. Um, I do think this is probably going to be more one of the more open picks, and Golden State's going to it's going to be dictated by who's on the board for them and how they're feeling about who they can bring in in uh, free agency and how they're going to handle that. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll move on to twenty nine, uh, San Antonio. Uh, Tom, you're picking for San Antonio here. You already grabbed them. PJ Washington up at nineteen. How do you think they would finish off uh, this draft here at twenty nine? I think they're going to grab another, uh, you know, sort of wing forward type with uh, some knockdown shooting ability, and I think they're going to grab Dylan Windler out of Beaumont. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I obviously John Morant got all of the press coming out of the Ohio Valley Conference this year, but uh, this kid for Belmont, you know, also led them to the NCAA tournament, had a great year, you know, averaging 21, 21 and 10 per game um, while shooting 43% from three-point range. Uh, again, I think that sounds like a Spurs player. Uh, archetype right there, and, and I think uh, the playmaking the playmaking ability should mesh nicely with with the second unit, uh, <clears throat> and possibly some minutes with the first unit of Murray White, the Rosen, and Aldridge. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, no, I I'm lower on uh, Dylan Windler myself. Um, I like the shooting ability, and I think that's a huge NBA skill. But I do uh, when I see him and I watch him and I see some of the issues with him are his strength and uh mobility i kind of get flashes of doug mcdermott um and how he came into the nba not even being able to squat his body weight and that's and uh he's hasn't been able to stick in a rotation anywhere and that's kind of what scares me about windler but i think if he can handle 
uh, the strength and the physicality and the athleticism of the game, then his threes, his three-point ability is certainly uh, an elite skill, a game-changing skill, and there's nowhere better to kind of fit in and find your role than San Antonio. So I think that would probably be a perfect fit for him. All right, so that uh, sends us to the final uh, pick of our mock draft. We're just going to do Milwaukee here at 30. Uh, they obviously a uh, tough series, uh, losing to the Raptors, um, but they have a pretty solid roster. Uh, a lot of guys that are going to come up in free agency, and so how they handle free agency is going to be a big deal of what they do going forward. Chris Middleton's a free agent. Brooke Lopez, Nikola Mirotic, all these guys are free agents. How they, who they bring back, what level they bring back. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's a restricted free agent, but I expect him to bring to be back. I think this is another one we can kind of do collaboratively. Um, I don't. I'm not ex- entirely sold on where they would go here. Um, I think they could go with. Uh, Cabaniele, the big from Florida State, and just have a have a center option there in case Brook Lopez exactly leaves. Where I, was going. Um, I could also see you know um, um, going for a wing like Darius Baisley or Louis King. I also, Tom, I know you thought you think Golden State going with Chuma is a reach. I think Chuma is a first round prospect. I think that Milwaukee could go with him as well because when he comes back, you've got a defender who can shoot threes and make plays. But obviously, if you guys are worried about the injury, I understand not seeing him go in this first round. But, uh, yeah, what do you guys think of Milwaukee here at 30 outside of Cavaniele, which I think might be where they go? Um, honestly, I I did like the... Let's see, hold on. I, I wanted to see if I could mix it up a little bit. But, <laughs> no, honestly, when I was looking at possible needs I think their biggest question when you look at them you have to say who's their centerpiece how does their team work and their team works best when Giannis is moving freely so that means you have to create space inside the paint for him so obviously it's got to be some type of stretch big slash guy who can do a pick and pop or create some keep some type of space in the lanes I feel like he uh I can't even say his name let's be honest but Cabanelli <laughs> I really think he'd be a really good fit just for that team, especially since they're they're not very certain on Brook Lopez's future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can be a good he can be a good addition to that squad. Okay, yeah. Tom, thoughts on how um, the Bucks go here? Yeah, I, I would definitely go. Think I go big man. Um, yeah. Obviously, I know you're you're super high on Chuma. I, I'd like the Cavanielli pick uh, for Milwaukee at this point. Yeah, I think. But, yeah, yeah, I think Cavanielli's. Probably, if he's on the board, will be the pick. Um, like I said, the injury concerns are a big deal, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to hurt Chuma. Um, and uh, I really hope he gets picked in the first round, and I, I personally think he will. But I understand the hesitancy um, in picking him. Obviously, he's coming off an ACL. He doesn't get you're not going to get minutes from him probably until at least February at the earliest. Um, I think Cavanyele, you know, he's a, he's a big, he's long, which fits the the Bucks uh, long mantra. He shot well from three, but limited attempts. Um, but he shows the ability to hit spot up shots, which is huge. He's 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 active on the glass. He's energetic defensively, especially blocking shots. Um, and I think that'll help them. He's he'll be better defending the pick and roll. He's more mobile than Brook Lopez was. So even if Lopez walks and you gotta you're playing crunch time minutes in the finals or in the playoffs next year with Cabanelli out there, he's at least gonna be able to handle himself in pick and rolls and use his length to bother guards probably a little bit better than Brook Lopez did. He can probably slot in and affect shots at the rim in a similar style that Lopez did. So that's kind of a natural selection for them. 
Um, and then they can kind of see how their free agency goes, which I think will be much more indicative of what we see from them next season um, than who they get out of the draft. But that wraps up our draft. I will quickly um, go through uh, the picks we did one last time before we sign off here. We At number one, New Orleans, we took Zion. Uh, two, Memphis, we took John Morant. Three, New York, we took R.J. Barrett. Four, New Orleans, we took Jared Culver. Five, Cleveland, we took DeAndre Hunter. Six, Phoenix, we took Darius Garland. Seven, Chicago, we took Kobe White. Eight, Atlanta, took Cam Reddish. Nine, Washington, uh, Nasir Little. Ten, Atlanta again, Siku Duomboye. Eleven, Minnesota, Brandon Clark. Twelve, Charlotte, Jackson Hayes. Uh, Thirteen, Miami, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Fourteen, Boston, Tyler Hero. Fifteen, Detroit, Romeo Langford. 16, uh, uh, Orlando, Kevin Porter Jr., 17, Atlanta, Nick Claxton, 18, Indiana, Keldon Johnson, 19, San, Di- San Antonio, P.J. Washington, 20, Boston, Bull Bull, 21, Oklahoma City, Cameron Johnson, 22, Boston, Ty Jerome, 23, Utah, Matthias Theibel, uh, 24, Philadelphia, Carson Edwards, <coughs> 25, Portland, Grant Williams. 26, Cleveland, Ruri Hachimura. 27, Brooklyn, Goga Bitteze. Uh, 28, Golden State, Lukens Dort. 29, San Antonio, Dylan Windler. And then 30, uh, for Milwaukee, Mifandu Cabanyele. I don't think I pronounced his first name correctly, but that's our draft. Uh, thank you for tuning in and listening. Uh, I appreciate the listens. Um, uh, I thank you, Tom and Thornton, for coming on. And please uh, rate, review, subscribe, share. And uh, I'll talk to you probably post draft and also with free agency. Bye.